May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Alleluia! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen. Alleluia! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen. They have banned me since Lent from being able to say Alleluia. So if a whole lot of them kind of bubble forth, you've got to understand they've been suppressed for a number of weeks. Years ago, when some of us who are long past our 20th high school reunions were little, there was a common custom that on Easter morning of rising early to gather before the sun rose for an Easter sunrise service, it was dark and there was a chill in the air. And though I was too young to remember most of it, I was so excited to go, to be outside in the dark, to sing hymns as the sun rose up, and then to say, Jesus is alive. I'm sure there were other things that happened, but... That didn't matter to me at the time, and so I don't remember. There are always other things happening. But it was such a holy moment. To be outside in the dark was such a treat for me, having a 9 o'clock bedtime. And I miss it a little. But this is the ninth gathering in eight days, and I have no doubt that I would be tarred, feathered, and possibly run out of town if I suggested a tenth service. But there is something very special in that liminal space between the end of night and sunrise. In our text from John, this is the time that Mary Magdalene initially comes to the tomb. She comes to the tomb twice. She is the first one to notice that something is different. She is so brave, venturing out in the dark, a single woman alone in a culture that did not give the same value to women as it did to men. There are certain dangers at night that women keep in the forefront of their minds that many men take for granted. Worries about being accosted, assaulted, and in her culture, reputations destroyed. But she went anyway. Love will make you do things like that. I wonder why in John's gospel she went alone. Had she been up all night? Had she overheard the other followers of Christ choosing to stay hidden away? And she thought maybe, just maybe, she needed to verify things for herself. We don't know the why behind her courage, but we do know that she went. And sometimes our motives aren't clear, but moving in the direction of love is always a good thing. But when she gets to the tomb, it doesn't look right. And as a woman walking at night, her senses would have been sharp, her intuition keen. She would have noticed it right away. What other things had she not anticipated? So she runs back in fear and dismay to Peter and another unnamed disciple who chooses to say the disciple whom Jesus loved, as though Jesus didn't love them all, telling them they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, 
and we don't know where they laid him. And the race is on. The one disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved, beats the other, Peter, and Peter goes in, then that one. Seeing the grave clothes left behind, they believe in the resurrection. But that's not enough for Mary Magdalene. Her lament was they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they laid him. Still, that rings in her heart. Where is her Lord? She looks in the tomb and she is the one who sees the angels even through her tears. She's sobbing and brokenhearted, too distressed to even fear angels that most everyone in scripture fears. Her love for Christ is quite remarkable. And she asks by the first angel, why is she weeping? Why is she so distressed? To the angels, she responds, as she did to the disciples, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. But then a strange man behind her asks, not only why was she weeping, but who she was looking for. She has already said, they took him away. He's my Lord. I don't know where they laid him. At this point, I think Mary had just about enough. She's been through the dark. She can't find her Lord. The stone's rolled away. Nothing makes sense. Then someone wants to have another conversation with her, but she's ready to act. Look out. I can hear her demanding, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him away. Mary. Mary. How did she possibly think she could move a dead body alone? Jesus was muscular from walking and from carpentry or stonework. The challenge of moving another person is great, but if you've ever tried to move someone sleeping, you understand the term dead weight. Mary didn't care. It didn't matter to her. Like water against a rock that eventually prevails, so did Mary. She found her Lord, but she didn't quite know it yet. Then the man, whom she assumed to be a gardener, called her name, Mary. Oh, the sweetness of that moment after such pain. She wasn't afraid to challenge the norms of her society. She wasn't afraid to get help. She wasn't even afraid of angels, and she kept asking until she was satisfied. And as she turned toward her Lord, her life also turned around. As the risen Christ entrusted her with the message of his resurrection and ascension, bringing the news of the fulfillment of the message of Christ to be shared forever. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said things to her. Mary was first at the tomb, the first to see and speak to the angels, the first to see Jesus, the first to talk to the resurrected Christ, and the first person commissioned by Christ to share the good news. In the words of Desmond Tutu, Easter means hope prevails over despair, that Jesus reigns as Lord of lords and King of kings. Easter says to us that despite everything to the contrary, his will for us will prevail. Love will prevail over hate, justice over injustice and oppression, peace 
over exploitation and bitterness. Love prevailed. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Amen.